0: Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. Bring yourself back online. No one knows what I'm thinking. Tell us what you think of your This
1: is just a cheap trick. Some people choose to see the
0: ugliness in this world.
1: I choose to see the beauty.
0: Welcome to Still Watching Westworld, an unofficial podcast about the HBO series Westworld. I'm Vanity Fair senior writer Joanna Robinson.
1: And I'm Vanity Fair chief critic Richard Lawson.
0: Each week we'll break down the latest theories, baffling questions, and hidden illusions, as well as occasionally chat with someone who has worked on the show. This week we will be discussing and only spoiling up to season two, episode two, Reunion, directed by Vincenzo Natale, written by Jonathan Nolan, Lisa Joy, and Mad Men writer Carly Ray, which um, I think was a really interesting decision for this episode
1: we'll she's also a great why. great pop star <laughs>
0: yes exactly um so um i just wanted to reiterate something that we said last week which is that if you have any like feedback for us on the show you can email us at stillwatchingpod at gmail.com we got a lot of emails last week that's actually, great which is really exciting because i'm like oh someone is listening um and most of them were to point out some things that we got wrong so that's, oh well that's, that's, that's not
1: usually, great then let's not read them
0: <laughs> that's usually how these things go um but i'm going to i'm just going to read two of them really quickly to address two things that we sort of dropped the ball on last week. One is from Sydney, one of a million that we got about what which whose body was in the water at the end of last week's episode. Uh which i found out from the internet like literally 30 seconds after the episode ended on Sunday and i was like i can't believe we didn't see it. But Sydney says for the question at the end of season two, episode one, I read in a few places that that is Teddy, this uh, which is James Morrison's character. This makes me think that when Dolores told Teddy that she has seen the future and they're together, that maybe they duplicated all the hosts as decoys, killed off the duplicates, and have escaped to the real world. So not only some information from Sydney about who's in the water, but like a, a crackpot theory laid on top of it, which is... Uh, that yeah. these are all decoys in the water.
1: So. I, I'm going to say that we watched screeners and maybe they hadn't done like the post on it or whatever. Um, so maybe the final air version of the show it was Teddy, but not ours. That's that's what I'm going to say in our defense. mean it's Um, not true it's but (laughs)
0: it's not true maybe you have some of like bernard's face blindness but uh i you know we we did we like we stared at that shot because the camera the camera lasers on it we're like we know this is supposed to be someone we recognize
1: and i know james marston's face i've known Ah. james marston's face since like disturbing behavior 20 years ago so how i miss (laughs) that i don't know
0: i know but when i looked again i was like yep there are those pillow lips i see them um all right. And then we got an email from Shelly about Bernard's injury. I think we had said at one point um, we weren't sure, he, you know, he has this like tremor going on in his hand. And then later he hits his head and some goo comes out. And we were like, we're not really sure uh, when that started. And then after we recorded the podcast, I thought about it and I figured it out. But Shelly Shelley explains it, which is like, she says, Bernard is glitching out with the brain fluid because he shot himself in the head near the end of season one. That'll do it. Felix fixed him. Uh, Felix was like our very friendly tech from last season. Felix fixed him and said it wasn't great, but good enough. Um, And this Shelly's email, uh, which is very helpful, leads me into this great theory that I want to talk to you before we dive into the episode itself. This is not a spoiler. I have no spoilers on this. This is just a theory that I think the Redditors came up with before the season even started, which is the multiple Bernard's theory. (laughs) Um, we see, like, Bernard touching that scar on his head where Felix patched him up. Like, when the when the goo starts oozing out of his ear in the barn in the first episode, we see him, like, touching that scar. He touches the scar a couple times. Reddit realized that when we see Bernard on the beach in the timeline that's two weeks later, he does not have the scar on his head. So, mm. either he was patched up in a way that, like, included some, cos- like, some mederma, some cosmetic surgery, or that's a different host that looks like Bernard, a different version of Bernard, which is possible.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, um, obviously anything having to do with multiple Bernards is a ripoff of the Charles Grodin comedy Beethoven Second, in which Beethoven, the St. Bernard, has puppies. Um, I just <laughs> I just felt like I had to get that out there because, you know, for the diehards. Um, yeah, for
0: the, for the Grodin heads.
1: But that's the, exactly, which I'm sure, are, you know, we have many in the audience. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that that's a funny thing about the show is that, like, they can kind of do anything because like, yeah, there could be multiple of anybody. There could be this, there could be that. Um, And weirdly that should annoy me in a way that the, that that the rules are sort of so loose, but like, actually I like that because it, it opens them up to so much narrative possibility.
0: Yeah. And um, we should mention, I don't know how hard we drilled down on this last week when we recorded, but when Bernard is uh, in the first episode, when Bernard was in the lab and sort of going through what the symptoms of his, his, critical failure brain would be it was aphasia time loss and face blindness which just like really makes him the most like if we're in bernard's memories at any point it's the most unreliable thing you could possibly see because he might think he's talking to one person and he's talking to someone else so uh we'll see how tricky the show decides to get with that but they've they've like given themselves the room to be as tricky as they want to be with the bernard stuff yeah. So Here we go. So we are open. Season 2, Episode 2, Reunion. The title Reunion, I believe, refers to a number of reunions that we see in this episode. I don't think it's that... Deep, uh, but we start with, uh, as many episodes do, with Arnold. It's Arnold talking to Dolores, not Bernard, Arnold. Talking to Dolores in an apartment. Um, and she's in like an outfit that we've never seen on Evan Rachel Wood in the show before, which is like this... This uh, She's a Robert Palmer girl, right? From, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the Addicted to Love video. She's got the black mini dress on, her hair is slicked back. Um, and she says this thing that will be repeated multiple times in the episode about have you ever seen anything so full of splendor? And she's in like hardcore rancher daughter mode with her thick Southern accent and all that sort of stuff. And then Arnold says a version of a famous show catchphrase where he says, after a while, it doesn't look like anything at all, which is a version of doesn't look like anything to me. But what did you think of this? Like when it opened, I don't know. I don't know if you watch Westworld at this point Richard and just go to like I'm not going to try to figure out where we are until they tell me where they where we are like
1: Yeah, what, I'm kind of just do? letting in I'm just kind of like leaning back and letting it happen. Um yeah. I mean obviously I need to orient myself but but um something that um about this show that I both like and I find har- it makes it hard to watch is that like in the contained world of the park where everything is dangerous and scary and it begins to feel a little bit claustrophobic, despite the, the vast expanse of it. Um, mm-hmm. And so, something that took to, that took place out in the real world, where there are real people, um, even though they're, you know, we're sort of dealing with dark, sort of sad stuff. Like, I still felt comforted by it. Like, oh, right, mm-hmm. the world exists, and like there is humanity outside of this park. And um, so, I appreciated, you know, getting a glimpse of of the rest of I don't know humanity, so, so to speak, uh, in in these scenes.
0: Yeah, and this, we talked last, uh, week, and I imagine we'll talk more about this, about, um, the way in which the show reminds us of the TV show Lost. And one of the things that Lost did with its flashback uh, structure. You know, you're on the island, you're watching someone who's like sweaty and covered in mud, and then you flash to their other life where they're like, they've taken a shower recently, and Evangeline Lily uh, has eyeliner on or something like that, and you're like, whoa, like, that's, they look so different. Um, that's sort of how I felt with this, where you, you like flash from Dolores, like in her, uh, you know, Bendita outfit or whatever she's wearing this season too. like, this is very modern uh, dress and she looks very clean. And that's what it made me think of as those like on Island, off Island flashbacks. But um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we find out that we are like uh, 35, 36 years in the past. Cause we've got young Anthony Hopkins as Ford reflected in some glass. We know. Um, I thought we speculated about this last week, but I know for certain now that Anthony Hopkins recorded some ADR for this season. So he's not in the season, but his uh, voice is in the season. So you can just CGI in a in a glass reflection, some young Anthony Hopkins and use his voice. And he basically Ford accuses Arnold of playing favors with Dolores when Ford says, like uh, when Arnold says, "I don't want to use Dolores for this. We'll use the other girl." We find out later that he means to lula riley's character angela but uh for now we know that we are at a point like before uh, maybe before the park is open. yeah before the park is opened and ford and arnold are looking basically for investors and they've taken their merchandise out on the town to get investors does that make sense
1: yeah yeah um and i think i think it was clever the way that they did the ford stuff i like that Um, and yeah, I like this kind of origin story stuff. I, I was sort of, I was, you know, curious as to, uh, how much of that we were going to get, or if the show was just going to be not, well, it's obviously not forward looking there, are a lot of flashbacks, but I was just curious how far back we would go and, and how much of, uh, the sort of foundational stuff we would see. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad because I think it's interesting.
0: What's, what's even more interesting to me is that I, um, last, (laughs) a trick, Westworld not only pulled a trick on its audiences last season, but it pulled a trick on um, its actors in that they didn't tell Jeffrey Wright at the beginning that he was playing um, a host. And so I almost wonder if last season... He had as much of an opportunity as he would like to to distinguish between the human Arnold who he plays thirty uh, plus years in the past and the host Bernard that he plays in the current timeline and so I'm kind of looking closely at jeffrey wright's uh performance and yeah. his mannerisms to see if he's trying to distinguish the two of them um, but we get you know we get this nice scene where Arnold takes Dolores to see the house that he's building we we get we drill down a little bit more on the timeline because we know his son Charlie is still alive, his son Charlie dying is sort of like a big kick off for some of his depression and what comes of that um and then arnold says this interesting thing where he says like he feels like humans don't deserve this world that they're in um you know and and he's thinking about like maybe it's the robots who deserve to live in it uh he hasn't really figured it out yet and then Dolores just uh showing that she has not quite evolved yet uh, repeats her like splendor line
1: and 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 arnold's face kind of falls a little bit right And, it, it, and it's reflective of the way that William wanted more from Dolores that he didn't get. And and just sort of, it's interesting, like, that they both sort of share this fixation on wanting her to be real and being really disappointed when, she, when she's yeah. not.
0: Yeah, with differing results yeah. <laughs> of how yeah. they handle that. Yeah, um, And then we, so then we flash forward to immediately after the assassination of Ford or pretty close. We've got this like that asshole guest in a tux from last week uh, whose name I have yet to bother to learn because I think asshole guest in a tux uh, will do it and he breaks into the basement of Delos where the techs working down there haven't even figured out that everything has gone haywire. They're complaining about being on a long 13 hour shift. They're getting a lot of bodies in but they don't realize that the, the the what did Sizemore say that was two on the nose last week. The inmates are running yeah.
1: And there's um, a um, there's yeah. like a sign on the wall that says something like remote, you know, repair station or something. So they're not like in the main like HQ complex. They're just right. people who are stationed further out in the park to like do touch ups on on hosts that are broken or whatever. So I think that's kind of interesting that there are other you know techs and whatever scattered throughout the park who are like could yeah, could would, would not be aware of what was happening.
0: But still, it's kind of. I mean, like the sirens were blaring at HQ, and so it's kind of crazy that like it didn't trigger a remote siren in their little like tech silo to be like, "Hey, hey, by the way, yeah, yeah, it's it's a bloodbath out there." Um, But we, you know, we have we have a few distinct groups on the show, and and one main group we're following is this Dolores, Angela, Teddy sort of trio, um, the the hardcore badasses. and, you know, Dolores just comes in and, and menaces everyone and says, you know, the the host, the guest in the tuck says, like, you don't know what you're up against. Like, he thinks she thinks she doesn't understand that there's a world outside of Westworld. And she's like, guess what? This episode is here to tell you that I've been to the real world and I know what's out there. so Though, uh, to be
1: fair, she went to a party right like, or a, a
0: couple parties a couple
1: parties at it, least two yeah. parties yeah so like i don't know dolores like you may like you know something but like not everything
0: she's like i know about uh crudite, <laughs> right uh,
1: yeah, I, past I can, hors d'oeuvres i can play the piano
0: <laughs> yeah exactly uh and then we cut to i got so excited richard on your behalf who do we cut to mm-hmm. ben barnes he's benny not naked barnes. on a horse benny barnes he's not naked on a horse but logan is here For, uh, which is exactly what Richard was hoping.
1: And I have to say, you know, I, yes, he's cute and I have a crush on him, but like, he's really good in this episode. Like in terms of, um, expressing this sort of like this like moral anguish that we didn't really know he had in the first season. Um, you know, I guess maybe he kind of gives into the park, you know, then, but like, yeah, I don't know. I really liked him in the episode and also he looked
0: good. Yeah. So he's being, you know, his, his like very like loud sort of self and, um, William pieces out of some conversation, you know, some glad handing thing that they're doing. So William doesn't get the pitch from, so we know now that this is taking place before Delos bought into the park, before Logan Mm -hmm. had ever been to the park, before William had ever been to the park. So yeah, when I said last week that they were going to keep the timeline simple, they're not quite doing that. Um, and we get Angela, and then we get a new host that we haven't seen yet, which is uh, he introduced himself as uh, Kichita, which is not the character name he is listed on uh, for HBO. But it's uh, Zon McLaren who was, like I said last week, was so good in Fargo season two. Yeah,
1: um, yeah.
0: And uh, uh, he shows up with Toledo O'Reilly's character, and they are here to give Logan the, the pitch for Westworld. They they their company is called the Argos Initiative. So that's sort of what uh Ford and Arnold called their company before it was bought by Delos. So they're like pitching to Delos as represented by Logan, who we find out last name was Delos, which we kind of thought last season, but this is a confirmation of that. They're pitching to them. And then he I mean I think I thought this party scene was great. We, the viewer, know way more than Logan because, like, we see Clementine in the crowd. We know Angela's the host. If we've been paying too much attention to the casting, we know Jonathan Tucker, who's in the crowd, is a host, who we'll see later in the episode. We know that, like, Zon is the host, like, all this sort of stuff. So we know he's surrounded by hosts, but he doesn't. And he thinks he knows, and he's trying to figure out, like, who's the not human. And then An- the Angela character does this great little twitch of her finger, like a bewitched little twitch of the nose, and everyone freezes um this is my favorite music cue (laughs) ever
1: i just want to say something about the argos initiative that name like i don't know if it has any um significance necessarily but like the argives from ancient greece were the ones who attacked troy um okay in the trojan war so and like then i guess built the trojan horse so like maybe there's something there i don't know i I like that
0: Okay. Um yeah, the if you if you have any ideas about the Argo, the Argonauts, the Argives, like all of that, please do email us. Yes. watching pod at uh, gmail.com. This is exactly the kind of thing we sort of want to get into. Um but yeah, also I want to get into the fact that there's some Gershwin in this scene. Uh, Clementine, uh, the host Clementine is playing a tune called The Man I Love by Gershwin, which I love very yeah. much. And it comes up again later in the episode with like a little bit more poignancy. Um, but that's a that's a beautiful song, best version sung by Billie Holiday that you should listen to if you want a little extra musical uh, depth in this. But uh, yeah, so Logan samples the wares and is like yep this is definitely this is definitely something i want to invest in this is crazy and his mind is blown he's like he's like this technology is so far beyond where we should be like this is crazy to me nobody has any idea that this is coming it's not like they've seen beta and they're like oh yeah they finally put some like believable skin on them like no this is just ford and arnold have apparently been like laboring in secret and are like boom here you go it would be
1: like if you like you know if at the next apple event um tim cook was like oh and here's a hover car (laughs) We're like "Wait, where did this come from (laughs) yeah
0: yeah exactly um and then we so we cut from angela angela's sort of angela's had sex with logan my read of the what tallulah riley is doing with her face when she's getting dressed looks like a bit of like resentment and shame because dolores is watching her from the doorway like maybe a little bit of judgment i don't know i might be just putting emotions on Hmm. these hosts that don't have any but we cut from like uh, the Angela character who's been used basically as a sex bot in this scene to her like stabbing people yeah. <laughs> with in her like uh creepy crown of thorns back in the park uh mode. And this is where Dolores tries to wake Teddy up. What did you think of um Marsden here when when he sort of gets to watch all the ways in which his character has
1: died um he was good i mean you know james marsden throughout his career hasn't had that many opportunities to go dark like this or sort of aggressive um and so it was i mean i, I mean obviously he's in x-men but like he's kind of like the wish like he's kind of the boring beta guy in that boy scout yeah, yeah. yeah. um so I think it was interesting, and I, I was I was glad because you know I said last week that you know they're obviously keeping Morrison around for for a reason. He's a big name, you know. Hopefully they'll give him more stuff to do, and they are. And I you know I still like him in second position to Dolores. You know I think that's a good dynamic. But like I'm glad that he had this moment to sort of ex- express himself.
0: Yeah, and um, uh, uh, but I'm curious. I mean, I'm not. Sh- I'll be curious to watch the beats of like. Marson's evolution over the season but like it, it felt like this should be a huge turning point and then later in the episode I felt like he just sort of regressed back to where he was before which is like kind of doubting her sort of thing do you know what I mean yeah. it's not mm-hmm. like it's not like he saw this and all of a sudden he's like you know buys into um Dolores' message, but uh, I did. I did think it was a fun little inside joke because Teddy died so many times last season, and that became or this like recurring joke. So like, yeah, let's let's show all the ways that Marson died uh, last year, at least. Yeah. Um, All right, and then we get the return of clinton Collins, jr. as Lawrence. um this you know w- w- like we need to give the man in black a sidekick again. Let's just give him the same one we gave him last year, uh which I yeah
1: and and William has probably formed some sort of bond with that host, you know, you know he keeps you know abusing him, sure, but like you know they've they've spent a lot of time together.
0: they dug coal together, but hmm. yeah, it's like it's uh it's always nice to see Clifton Collins jr., and there's a lot of like what I like, I mean it's not necessarily worth going over all the little minute callbacks that there are in this next sequence between where they go and who the side characters are. But suffice to say that it's a, a lot of it is a repeat of what we saw in season one. And what I like about that is that a, it sort of reinforces this loop idea. Like mm-hmm. Lawrence is just on his loop, you know? Um, But also it, it makes the park not feel as, Big. I mean, the park should feel big, but also like, yeah, we're gonna. Rip- this is. There's a reason why William in Man in Black mode is bored of his experience in the park because there's only be so many places you can go, and so when we when he and and uh, Lawrence go to a bar and, like, he finds that, like, first aid kit, that's a bar we've seen in season one. Like, this is all stuff that we've seen before. They go to Pariah, which is a place that we went to in season mm-hmm. one. And so, like, I, I like that, that familiarity. It's not just about, like, um, numb sort of callback stuff, but it's about this is a familiar territory for
1: and, all of us. And it explains in a way um, why when some some of the hosts kind of have their awakening it's this very um, sort of hazy confused like coming out of a dream thing because if you keep if you kept living this same repetitive thing over and over again forever how many years how many decades like the, the kind of compounded layers of all that same experience but maybe it's different you know in little kind of Various ways um, that would create a very strange sort of psychology and and memory, um, and I think that like moments where they we know we're reminded that Lawrence is caught in this loop it kind of reinforce that.
0: Yeah, and then they have this discussion, this this almost theological discussion about um, you know. Uh... The man in black, Bill William, old William Ed Harris says, "You know they wanted a place hidden from God, a place they could sin in peace. But we were watching them, telling up all the sins. My judgment wasn't the point; we had something else in mind. So this sort of alludes to what other extra thing that Delos, like the the thing of like we've always been watching you. We saw that last week in terms of them rec- literally recording the guests' experience in the park. Um, this puts him in a sort of in a god." position, right? Like always mm-hmm. watching judging sins sort of thing. Um and Dolores in this episode will also sort of use God like language on herself. Uh so I, I think it's it's sort of this idea, I don't know, like Ford was our clear God figure in season one. And now it seems like a race to who is going to be our God or Messiah in season two. And I think you get a lot of Jesus imagery in this episode, whether it's like Angela's crown of thorns or later there's like a last supper sort of thing. Um, So that's something to watch about, you know, and they keep talking about the Valley beyond the pearly gates. Like there's this, like we're, we're racing towards heaven, who should be the one to lead us there? Who do we follow to heaven? You know, and, and the man in black sets himself up as one option. Dolores feels very convinced that she's the correct option. Um, we might have some other candidates as well.
1: So. Yeah. And like Dolores kind of messianic thing is, is dangerous. You know, um, yeah. like it's interesting that we pretty swiftly into the second season uh, are kind of seeing her not necessarily as the hero. Um, oh, exactly. Yeah, which is which is a, which is a kind of fun inversion. Um, yeah, and like the whole thing about searching for for you know the whatever's next, like you know to get out of the drudgery of our lives, the repetitiveness of our lives. Like it's a it's a maybe on the nose sort of allegory, but I, it works thematically with you know um, with what they're doing.
0: There's also this um, this I I, I, I kind of want to think about and I it's really half formed so I just want to plant the seed and think about it the the story of Lucifer right who was um, you know one of God's angels and decided he did not want to be God's servant anymore and fell right mm-hmm. and took all these other angels with him so like is is that what Dolores is being set up of. says so like the angel, the fallen angel, the like rebellious fallen angel who winds up in hell and leads all these other people to hell.
1: Right? Yeah, maybe. But oh, well, um, yeah, yeah. a Lucifer that was managed to kill God first yeah right yes
0: yeah <laughs> A more successful Lucifer. um and uh the, but the man but it's the man in black who says he's going to burn westworld to the ground so you know it, the hell imagery heaven imagery let's just keep it all rattling around in our brain this season i think uh but then we you know so man in black says they got to go to pariah we get excited because there was an orgy. Last time we went to Pariah there was an orgy. So maybe we'll we'll get another orgy this episode. <laughs> Spoiler alert, we do not. No. Okay, so uh then we cut back to this this remote lab that you mentioned, Richard, where um <laughs> it's really gruesome actually. Angela's shoving this this Dallas employee's face into this burning, like we saw the white goo so often last season as this building um, like, you know, polymer or whatever for, for the hosts. Uh, I don't think I ever thought about how hot it must be, but of course it must be to go from liquid to solid. But we see her just shove this guy's face into, and it's like sizzling.
1: He's screaming, it burns, it burns. We
0: we must imagine that his face is like blistering under this goo. It's just, it's terrible. Um, but they basically extract some information, like the fact that, you know, what, what, what are, what is Delos, how is Delos going to react to this? the answer is send 800 men, shut it down one sector at a time, meet at a rallying point on a shore. And like the eight, the 800 men and the rallying point on the shore is what I feel like we see two weeks later. Um, and, but that means Dolores knows that she needs bodies to fight, you know, Teddy's like, we got 50. She's like, great. We need some bodies. Right. So, uh, Dolores sets about, uh, recruiting. And then <laughs> we hop around in time again. Um, we're back to, I mean, and that's another thing that the, that the recurring loops in Westworld do help with, because even when we're disoriented by where we're hopping in time, at least we have this familiar sight, which is Dolores back in her blue dress, mm-hmm. dropping her can of milk. Uh, Armistice is the sheriff at this time. So we got to see like, you know, that actress always welcome. And, um, and then we see everything freeze and a helicopter come in and we meet a new character, another new character, who is Jim Delos, head of Delos Incorporated, Logan's dad, played by gr- the great Scottish actor Peter Mullen. Do you have any like uh, projects that you associate strongly with Peter Mullen?
1: Uh, yeah, Top of the Lake.
0: Top of the Lake. He's too.
1: the villain, ostensibly, in that, in that first season, um, and he is great. Um and I yeah I kind of tend to think oh he's also on Ozark and he's really good on that so I kind of think of him as this sort of you know, uh mainstay of prestige uh sort of television where he's like on a season and is great and then you know leaves um uh yeah so it was it, I didn't know he was going to be on this and it was a pleasant surprise
0: I find him terrifying yeah largely oh, totally. because yeah. Top of the Lake um. He's not been terrifying in every single role, but he's just one of those people that like looks unassuming, but I am absolutely terrified of him. And so, like when when we see William and this this to anchor us in history, this is taking place after William has visited the park and is now convinced that Delos needs to have even more of a stake in Westworld, right? So, so he's bringing the boss,
1: yeah. So, like, yeah. let's um. So timeline wise, yeah, <laughs> we have Logan getting the pitch. And being yeah. like, all right, this is good. Yeah. At, then later at some point, William gets involved. Yeah. Delos invests some money, enough enough to build this park, whatever. But not so much yet that they have like full control over it. Is that...
0: Right. I think it goes like Logan buys, buys into Westworld mm-hmm. um, because of this pitch that he got. He visits the park all the time. He's a regular he brings William in and while he and William are in the park, which we saw last season, he's like, this is why our company needs to like buy a bigger stake. Like we, we definitely need to have more of a stake and they leave the park. William agrees with Logan, but for kind of different reasons. And, um, And so he's now trying to convince the head of Delos, Logan's dad, like we need to buy more into the park. And he lays out the financials and he's like, Westworld's going to be bankrupt within two to three years. Like we need to flood some cash into here. And uh, Peter Mullen's character, Jim Delos is like, "Uh, I don't know that I want to like invest in, you know, financially shaky, sexy Disneyland. Like that's not really for me. And then William gives him the pitch of like, basically, um, this is the facebook ads picture
1: (laughs) right yeah it's cambridge analytica it's like we're gonna just mine data so wait this is after william has sent naked ben barnes off on the horse yes who is peter mullen's son yes excuse me uh, who is uh jim dellis's son so so does that mean that logan is alive somewhere yes okay not dead in the park
0: we'll see him alive later Like when we see him at that party later post naked ride on a horse. Okay. Right. 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 Yeah. But so this is William sort of stepping up in the company and he sort of, he, he, he is a different person. You know, like last, last year, William was like this um, very meek, company man yes man like Logan had all this contempt for him and now we see William on the other side of his park experience and he's like much more forceful and he's talking to Peter Mullen's character in a way that like th- this guy is not used to being talked to he calls him a cheeky cunt and I got really scared because uh Peter Mullen is so scary but uh they, they you know he's convinced he's convinced that this park where people can show Delos watching exactly what they want mm-hmm. without thinking that they're being observed, which is exactly what Facebook is um, is is useful from a marketing point of view so there you go
1: Sinister and timely
0: yay um, yeah and, and like we should say that obviously like obviously like Facebook mining for data has been a thing that has been happening for a long time. Uh, many sites mining for data has been a thing that's been happening for some time, but uh, this was all you know wrapped up. I presume, before the Cambridge Analytica story hit so big, so uh, the Nolans get some credit for being a little, mildly prescient in just how like familiar this would feel to us. You know? Yeah. Um, then we get this, fu- I thought, a really fun meeting <laughs> between Maeve and Dolores where yeah. we get uh, this clashing of ideology. And it's there's, there's a lot of reflection here because if you think about Teddy and Hector and the role they're playing as like, handsome, I'll do anything for you, I love you, uh, helpful sidekicks to these like, uh, avenging angel female characters. Um, but we get some more sort of uh, messianic language here about enlightening people and all that sort of stuff. And Maeve just seems like uninterested in what Dolores is doing. She says, revenge is just a different prayer at their altar and I'm well off my knees, uh, which is something a great line. Siz- Sizemore wrote for her. But, um, yeah, y- you know, it's like, Maeve's like, I believe in freedom, but like, that just means I'm going to do what I want and you can do what you want. But like Dolores's idea of freedom is like, everybody follow exactly what I say. Right. I know it's right for everyone. Yeah.
1: So. And I like how they, they proportion Dolores awakening to Maves, and that, you know, I, I like that, that we have two concurrent narratives about what that re- rebellion will look like or could right. look like, you know, and I, I think agree. that that's very smart of the show to not have it be a unilateral, uh, you know, awakening that, that yields one result that where everyone bands together to fight this thing. But like, maybe it's like, no, I, I mean, like I get it, but I also like have my own personal thing. So, you know, you go do you, but like, I'm not, you know, I'm not interested. I think that's, that's an interesting dynamic.
0: And I guess maybe the, the takeaway message should be like, there is no right way for someone to wake up because if you are, I don't know, human or have your own consciousness or whatever, like, there isn't one dictated, scripted way you're going to behave. But I also wonder if the show is going to ask us to make a choice, and like, right now I'm team Maeve, like, hardcore, of, like, which is the right way to deal with the dawn of consciousness. I feel like we're meant to believe that Dolores is making a lot of mistakes here. Um, right. Though I could be wrong.
1: But that Maeve is also maybe being cynical. I mean, it's the kind of thing, it's like, alright, so we all, you know, or some of us uh, in in, it, in sort of the dawn of a certain political age, you know, do you like take full action or do you just is it enough to just be aware of it? And you know, like there, there's some there's some ties to to our, our lives, I think, with with this kind of debate.
0: Absolutely, I completely agree. Um, and then we get the. That moment that I alluded to earlier, which is I mean, I'm glad it looks like The Last Supper too. It definitely looks like The Last Supper to me. I mean, I think anytime like a group of people are all eating. On dinner the same side of the up, table. Yeah, on one side of the table.
1: It's either that or the red wedding. I mean, you know.
0: yeah, exactly. Um but here we meet we meet a character called Major Craddock, another new character played as I mentioned by Jonathan Tucker. Jonathan Tucker is one of my favorite oh T V character actors. I love him so much.
1: Um, uh, he's a Boston boy. Um, and so my sister and I have been following his career since he was a kid. Uh, and we, we've like seen him in like tiny plays in LA and you know Amazing. uh yeah yeah so I when I saw him earlier in this episode where he was just like one of the hosts at the party that Logan was at you know during the, yeah. the demo I was like oh god please tell me Jonathan Tucker hasn't fallen so low that he's just like an extra in a scene of Westworld uh but then then he popped back up and I was happy
0: and if you are watching this video either I'm dead or I'm in a very 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 bad situation she said, oh my God, I can hear gunshots, I can hear men outside. Where are they? What have they done to them? Are they dead? Are they not dead?
1: There is one suspect,
0: her father the Sheikh. It's Madeleine Barron from In the Dark. We've teamed up with our new colleague Heidi Blake at The New Yorker to try to answer a question about one of the richest men in the world, the ruler of Dubai. Why do the women in Sheikh Mohammed's family keep trying to run away? There is five policemen outside and two policewomen inside the house. So basically, I'm a hostage.
1: And he reminded me that Sheikh Mohammed can get me anywhere. Because you're a rich and powerful person, you can effectively
0: break any law you want in our country and get away with it. The Runaway Princesses is available now. Follow In the Dark wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. At eBay, you'll always get that feel of real because your fashion purchase will be backed by Authenticity Guarantee. Whether it's a knit bag, a must have watch,
0: dreamy jewelry, or fire sneakers and fresh streetwear, every step will feel authentic, every flex will feel real. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal with eBay Authenticity Guarantee. Visit ebay.com for terms. Yeah, so my wish, you know, like he was, he was one of the people that was listed on the episode as, uh, or preseason as being like a new cast member. Yeah. And they were very like oblique about what he would be doing, but I was like, he's got to be playing like an over-the-top host because this is something that Jonathan Tucker does so well and I feel completely not disappointed by what is happening here um for those of you who don't like want to go into the Jonathan Tucker backlog um I love him on Justified he was really good on in one episode of American Gods last season um he uh I think I've been following him since he showed up on Parenthood. He's also in an episode of Hannibal. Like he's just been around. He's in and... the uh
1: great um Tilda Swinton thriller, The Deep End from like 2002. Awesome. Uh we he are... has he has a sex scene with Josh Lucas, if that's interesting to anybody. Yep.
0: We are complete Tuckerheads, apparently, um, mm-hmm. here on Still Watching Westworld. So uh Major Craddock, you know, does is just dishing up some fun, like sexist stuff to dolores about how she could go fetch her betters and then they kill everyone and then resurrect everyone this was or such or a cool scene
1: i mean, yeah. I mean or, or sort of device like her showing to him she's like all right like bring him back like you know like i thought she was going to put him down again and bring him you know like kind of <laughs> yeah, like dunking yeah, yeah. someone's head underwater like um i thought that was like a really interesting uh use of the technology of the show as a, like a you know in a, in the field i don't know i like that
0: and it's sort of like, you know, like a Lazarus sort of like mm-hmm. this is Jesus showing like what he can do uh, to his followers, but she says, you know, if you're looking to get to glory, you won't need his favor, you'll need mine. So if we had any doubts about her Jesus complex here. Um and then we cut to a different <laughs> point in time. I really am going to I really I'm going to have to like break this down like really hardcore in my write up, but uh Here's how we can know what timeline we're in right now, which is when William went into the park in season one, he was engaged to Logan's sister, Juliet, but not married to her. Right. In this party scene, he is not only married to Juliet, but they have a daughter, Emily, who looks about five. So let's say it's like at least five years after he got out of the park.
1: So he knows Dolores. I mean, he's like been, yeah, like he's been through it with her
0: so he like decided to hire her as like the pinata, the talent. This Mm -hmm. is like, this is like one of a few shitty things that William does of like to show Dolores that she has no impact on him and she's just a thing. He, uh, this is a retirement party for Jim Delos who appears to be very sick and it appears that he's kind of being like forcefully retired and William is taking over for him. And, and, uh, you know, Jim Delos does not seem very happy about it, but not like not in a way that he's going to do anything about it, but he's not very happy about it. Dolores is playing Chopin. She's in one of those white intake host dresses that we saw on Tallulah Riley last season. And uh, a, l- a fun little tidbit, I don't know if, if non-Westworld obsessives know this, but the way that Juliet showed up last season was in this, like, photo that William was carrying with him that, like, Abernathy found in the dust and, like, and then Reddit figured out that that was, like, a stock photo <laughs> that you can find on, like, stockimages.com or whatever. But as it turns out, the woman in the photo is um, Claire Nabia, or Nabia, I don't know how to pronounce her name, who was an American's next top model model. Oh, wow. So they just, they just took a stock photo last season. And she didn't even know. She didn't know until, like, she watched Westworld that she was, that her stock photo That's was in so Westworld. That's so funny. So they're like, oh, I guess we should hire her for season two. <laughs> yeah, good, <laughs> so good way to get a job. Yeah. So she's so because the stock photo model was actually a model that like, you know, is not nobody. They found her and they, you know, she doesn't have much to do. She just looks kind of sour and pissy.
1: Um, you wonder how because, much she knows about Dolores because right. she's looking at her like not happy to see her.
0: Right. Um, and... and. um Logan's dad commands that Dolores stop playing Chopin and play literally anything else and this is where she plays the Gershwin tune that Clementine was playing earlier The Man I Love which is uh, has way more meaning playing it next to William Mm -hmm. Um, you know the the lyrics are like he'll come along the man I love he'll be strong or whatever the man I love so um yeah, and then we see, this is this is what you've been waiting for, which is what happened to Logan after he got off that horse, <laughs> which yeah. is, it, it looks like he became a drug addict. I mean, he's medicating, at least. He's got track marks on his arm.
1: I mean, he was a mess um, when he was in the park, too, like right, a hedonist. Yeah. But yeah, he's, he seems to have, um, and obviously now his experience of being in the park is really soured he, he, he hates it. Um, yeah i mean you know i would guess you would hate it too if, you, if that happened if, to you.
0: if you got like that s- extreme saddle sores yeah, right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um logan logan is like convinced william has sent dolores down there to mess with him and stuff like that um and whether or not he did like and then logan says this really interesting thing that i don't know exactly what it means but he says um <clears throat> Ahem, my Ben Barnes impression now. He says, that darling is the sound of fools fiddling while the whole fucking species starts to burn. They lit the match. So here's to you, assholes. May your forever be blissfully short. So um, my question is, uh, what is he talking about? <laughs> because this is a, a Delos function. Mm-hmm. So like Delos has done something that Logan feels like is the end of the species. And is that just investing in the park? Or we also know from season one that Delos does stuff that has to do with, like, medical advancements. This is something that his dad was alluding to earlier when he was coughing in the party scene. He's like, well, I got an indication that maybe I wouldn't have to retire. And William's like, yeah, we're progressing, but not fast enough. So you should still retire so that I can be in charge. Right. So it feels like Delos is working on um, medical advancements.
1: And we know they've been taking DNA from from guests. Right. Um, So So you wonder if they're trying to, like, you know download consciousness of of human beings into host bodies or whatever, you know? Um, but yeah, he, but Logan clearly thinks that, that something about the hosts is going to become, you know, sort of dominant over humanity and, or, or something, you know, along those yes, lines. it's going
0: to end, end humanity. And I mean, there's some uh, William, well, okay, I'm going to get to this in a second, I guess. Um, so, like, like, like let's, let's cut over to Pariah where, as if this episode didn't have enough, it also has surprise Giancarlo Esposito. Now, I know you Richard were like surprised by Peter Mullen and surprised by Jonathan Tucker. Cause you didn't know that they were in the season. I knew that all of that was coming. Nobody knew that Giancarlo Esposito was in this season. Um, and I think he's probably only in this scene, but it's like, what a scene. They're like, Hey, Giancarlo, do you want to come in and chew on the scenery for a scene? He's sure. like, yes, I will do he it. Was already, he was already, he was
1: a guest at the park and they were just sort of like, Hey, we're filming over here. Do you want to, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do
0: you want to get really into character? Westworld is so, real, um, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> FYI. Um, So he's playing the Alazo character that that Clifton Collins Jr. played a bit uh, last season, and he's just really hamming it up. And once again, we find out it's basically Ford talking through the hosts at um, William uh, because, you know, he says you know, this game was meant for you, William. And later, uh, and and then William says, fuck you, Robert. So this is, this is Anthony Hopkins character speaking through John Carlos Esposito. And he gives this monologue about the elephant, yeah. um, the elephant and the stake, and how like the elephants, like baby elephants, they stake them down. And so then when they're adults, they don't even know that they like can get free of that tether easily. It's a fun little monologue. What it reminded me of, because I'm always looking for Jurassic Park parallels is like John Hammond has this whole speech about the flea circus mm-hmm, that he went to mm-hmm. as a kid. Um, so I don't know. I just I'm always on the lookout for John Hammond stuff because I'm really interested in him. But um, and then we get this really really creepy evocative moment where an entire circle of hosts just shoot themselves in the head and orchestrated down. by Robert. Yeah, to say you have to walk this alone. I mean, he lets him keep Lawrence, <laughs> but he's like, right? But you don't get an army. You have to do this by yourself plus Lawrence. And it, um, this is
1: one of those yeah. things where you know anything we're like. There's been like a clever game set in place, or like a scheme, or a heist, or whatever, where it's contingent on knowing exactly what a person's going to do. You know, like how did Robert know that? But or did he just set up a, a contingency? Like, should he come by this way? This is what happens. Do you know what I mean?
0: Wouldn't that be so sad if you like programmed a Giancarlo Esposito level just, of host? And that and and like he's like, let's take the long rate Let's not go through Pariah. Right. That's fine. And they're just there um, forever.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> So, yeah, so instead of a, an orgy, we get a pile of – a different kind of pile of bodies, uh, some corpses. That's sort of a trend of this season. And, um, and then we get William saying this thing where he says he built a place of judgment. The place we're going is my greatest mistake. This is where I put in all caps, um, and you can do your own rat race impression if you want. Uh, it's a race, right? Dolores and her people and William and, and Lawrence <laughs> – He doesn't get people. William and Lawrence and Dolores and her people are going towards the same place is what it feels like, right? And it feels kind of like a race. And this is something that um, I don't know if anyone listening is watching Legion Season 2, but this is something that Legion Season 2 is also doing, which is Legion is also the FX comic book series starring Handsome Dan Stevens is also like a really, really convoluted show and hard to follow, as Westworld can be sometimes. But they've made season two really simply. They've made it a race. A race between good guys and bad guys. That's what season two of Legion is. And I think it's a really smart thing to set really, really simple basic stakes Mm -hmm. on a really complicated premise, right? And so that's the stakes here. We've got William is racing towards something. Dolores is racing towards something. Uh, Maeve is racing towards her daughter, which might wind up being tied into this thing. I wouldn't doubt it. And uh, and then Bernard is... um, Racing to fix himself, I guess yeah. we would say. Um, but you know, just giving these characters really simple through line motivations and then fucking with the timeline to complicate it. So that's, um, I mean, I, 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 we'll see if that bears out. But that that feels like what they're setting up here. So, uh, and then we get I, what I think is the most disturbing ap- uh, moment of the season so far, and maybe the series ever, which is. Something I saw in the trailers was really dreading, which is William, obviously after his park, as played by Jimmy Simpson, obviously after his park experience. We don't know when.
1: After the retirement party, I mean, it's he's older. Maybe is he older? Yeah, I okay. think he's older. I think they did some makeup and stuff. Yeah.
0: There's, I think they are definitely messing with Jimmy Simpson's hairline a bit. Like, how do you get from Jimmy Simpson to Ed Harris? You got to, like, you know, right. recede that hairline. I also think, I know that Jimmy Simpson in season one, this is another thing, like Jeffrey Wright, like, he didn't quite know that he was playing Ed Harris in season one. Right. This season, knowing that he, that he knows that he's doing it, I think he's doing something with his mouth. <laughs> different oh, yeah. where he's trying to be a little bit more at Harris in the way that he's like pursing his lips a little bit. I think he's been studying at Harris. Um, but we get this disturbing thing where Dolores is naked and William is clothed and he's saying like, I can't believe I fell in love with you. Um, and you're not even a thing. you're Your reflection, you know, who loves staring at their reflection, everybody. Uh, but he's like, but there's something else, something beyond that. An answer here to a question. No one has dreamed of asking. So, this, I think, is where we get into that thing you alluded to earlier, which is possibly William Dellos trying to crack immortality, right? Like, right? I don't know. Like that, that seems... Th-
1: that feels you know? like what... You know, if this whole thing is about existence and higher things, like, you know, in, in a way, like, if you can elevate yourself to immortality, then do you become that higher thing that you're in pursuit of, you know? Um so yeah, and I, I think I, and and the whole thing with the mirror, like you know, you're looking for something in something else, but maybe it's in you. You know, I don't know. That feels like where what's being sort of spoken around.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Dolores talks about this like the, this idea that the host can't die. So, like, does right. that, you know, because they can't quite die, right? So, does that make them gods if they can't die? Does that make mm-hmm. them superior to humans? But if humans can do this, if the humans can upload their consciousness to these little mind eggs that we've been seeing this season and put them in into an unkillable body, like, then are humans? Then what's dif- what differentiates a host from a human? Like, all these questions. But uh then we get, uh, I don't know, one of the more mysterious shots of the episode where William's, like, William shows her something and he parrots back her line at her. He says, have you ever seen anything so full of splendor? What do you think we're looking at? I have
1: no here? idea. It was terraforming, whatever it was. They were doing some yeah, t- good it, old terraforming.
0: It was terraforming, but like it, it felt like broken, right?
1: But, they, but like, weren't the machines moving or no? Were they not?
0: I thought, I thought they were just, it looked kind of like the terraform machine or possibly also a broken bridge. But uh oh God. Okay, so this is this is our Teddy Flood moment of this episode. So if you, the viewer, feel like you knew exactly what you were seeing, terraforming, yeah, perhaps. Uh, please do email us. Say like, duh, you're looking at James Marston, guys. It's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So-
1: <laughs> they were, he was terraforming James Marston.
0: Maybe we just have face blindness when it comes to James Marston. Yeah. But anyway, so please do email us at still watching watchingpot at gmail.com And then uh, the last thing we get is Craddock Teddy. Dolores. They've, they're they looking down at an encampment and Dolores is doing some more of her menacing like Jesus thing that I actually find a little boring. Um, and then she says, I know what we're going to find there. An old friend was fool enough sh- foolish enough to show me years ago. It's not a place. It's a weapon. I'm going to use it to destroy them. So, if, wa- if Willie was terraforming, then perhaps that's what she's alluding to, that there's like a weapon that she's going to use to destroy humanity. I... I'm not sure that's exactly what she's talking about because we never know on Westworld. And so like it it might be that uh, she's talking about something that William showed her or it might be something that uh, Arnold showed her you know, like,
1: right, that could be really, the old friend. Yeah,
0: right. We're not sure who she's talking about here. And we're not sure if it's like a literal, like, I would ne- I would never think that Westworld's like, she's going to find a laser and that laser is going to kill all humans. You know, I I think it's some sort of psychological warfare that the hosts can use to destroy the humans, because that's sort of what Arnold taught her, mm-hmm. sort of in that party scene. I don't know. So like, I, I would just say, let's try not, let's try not to get too literal about this idea of a weapon that Dolores is looking for though.
1: If, 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 if what we see younger Williams show younger, younger Dolores, and then we have, is the same thing as what she's, you know, talking about as the weapon that then makes the race much more, much tighter because they're going after the same thing.
0: Right. And I, I think they are going racing towards the same thing. It's just, I'm not sure, you know, uh, I think William says it's not a place, or she says, yeah, she says it's not a place. Right. And then he says, what did he say? Is like, um, the place of judgment, the place we're going is my greatest mistake. So he thinks it's a place, she thinks it's not. I don't know. Um, I would like the, I do like the idea of them racing towards the same thing, though. Yeah, and, same. um And we will see what that thing is, but I, I would suspect it's not like anything physical.
1: Like a tangible but thing, ho- yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right. So anything else you want to say about this episode, season two, episode two?
1: Um I thought it was great. I really I'm yeah. I'm I, I, I really like that this season so far um isn't fully answering questions, but it is clarifying things for us it's clarifying the world you know the first season spent so much time kind of shrouding itself in vague mystery and 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 you know kind of um, ominous tones and i liked that about the show it was pretty captivating but like that's not quite enough to sustain a show you kind of do have to answer things and things ha- and the answers have to be satisfying and ask and then pose more questions and you know and i think that so- thus far i'm 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 pretty into where the show is going and how it's or the, how they're meeting out information
0: yeah, I um I liked this episode a lot. Carly I mentioned Carly Ray, not Carly Ray Jupson at the beginning of the episode, uh who who co-wrote this episode. Her experience on Mad Men with like corporate uh not espionage, but just sort of dealing like men posturing, men pitching ideas, men doing all this stuff I think is a really good person to tap to write William and like all the thing the, the dreams that he's pitching uh to various people. Uh, so I I think that was a really good choice, whether or not that that's exactly why they hired her. I think that's, this is a good fit for that sort of, um, ideas. And once again, though, I, I did like this episode a lot. I do like them shading in like what happened between, you know, to get William from point A to point B in his life from Jimmy Simpson to Ed Harris. But I gotta say, I, uh, I'm still having trouble with this Dolores and really caring about her past flashback Dolores. I find very interesting, but this like Terminator Dolores, <laughs> I'm, I'm having trouble with. So,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I, and I think that a lot of the stuff that's written for her and Evan Rachel would, you know, God bless her. is like really going for it. Like she's, it's a big performance um, when she's in that mode. Um, but a lot yeah. of the, a lot of the writing, it's just like, what is being said here? Exactly. Like she speaks in these, in, 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 um, sort of illusion and, and sort of vague, you know, grandeur in a way that's like, right. But also like, we do need something practical. <laughs> like we do need some information from you. Um, so I just, I think that that, that could get a little tiring if it keeps going at that, you know, register.
0: Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I'll say before we close out is this episode is titled reunion. Did you have a favorite reunion in this episode?
1: Um. Yeah, obviously, Logan and me. (laughs) That's my
0: favorite. Uh, It's hard to beat that one. I will go with Maeve and Dolores, but I think you might win this one. So uh, that is it for us this week on Still Watching Westworld. Thank you guys so much for like emails, and we got this great video that one of our listeners uh, recorded a ragtime version of Barenaked Ladies one week, so everyone else step it up. If your response does not involve a musical like arrangement, then maybe uh, you need to step it up a bit. In the meantime, Richard, where can people find your work?
1: Uh, VF.com. I have a review of Avengers up, and then, oh, I'm going to start to do can coverage soon, so stay tuned for that.
0: Excellent. I will be doing obsessive webs world coverage over on or you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This. This episode was engineered by Danielle Roth and produced by Katie Rich and Dave Gonzalez. We will see you next week.
1: These violent delights and violent ends.